0: If we really want to talk about who is marginalised, let's talk about women over 50. Mm. That's one of the most marginalised populations on the planet.
1: It must be frustrating for Stephanie Powers, the versatile American actress, that she's still best known, despite all her other sparkling stage and screen appearances, as one half of the crime-busting marital partnership with Robert Wagner in the popular 1980s TV series Heart to Heart. Less better known is her passion for wildlife and her pioneering role as a committed conservationist in Kenya. This is her second home, where she heads up her former partner, actor William Holden's Wildlife Foundation. I'm delighted to welcome this most energetic and elegant woman of many parts to Tea at Orion's as she celebrates her 79th year. I begin by asking her about her multilingual background as the child of Polish immigrants to the USA.
0: My first language was Polish, so we spoke Polish at home. So I, you know, obviously I then went to school, and uh, so the transition happened and then it was only really between my mother and I when we didn't want anybody to know what we were talking about, although once in a while it would get us into trouble. <laughs> I remember we were in Vienna, mm-hmm. and we were coming downstairs in the beautiful Europa Hotel, and it was a small lift, and as the doors opened, a woman walked in, stunningly beautiful. I mean, she was of a certain age, but she was immaculately dressed and all. And I said to my mother, you know, we're saying all these, fortunately, complimentary things. And when we reached the lobby, the doors opened and just before she walked out, she turned around and said, she said, thank you very much. And we said, oh God.
1: Be very careful what you say. Absolutely. And back to your facility for languages. I wonder whether that also helps. Well, two things. Does it help you remember your lines? That's, that's a subject that's verboten
0: because the minute you, you can't even touch it with an actor because it, it's so sensitive that everybody after a certain period of time is afraid that they're going to forget their lines in the middle of a play. And uh, I'm about to do, after tomorrow's reading, we will see whether we can get a theater, etc., etc., a two-hander, which will be the fourth two-hander that I've been involved with. And Fantastic. Two, you know, being just two people on the stage. Yes, you did that. a lot. <laughs> talking for an hour and a
1: half. Yeah. Exhausting.
0: Well, you just don't even want to even mention even bridge the subject of how am I going to remember those
1: words? But the the mental gymnastics you must have to perform, I think, is probably very good for keeping aging at bay. You look so well, young and seem <laughs> <through> young. <laughs> Thank you. They say you know you have to use it or lose it. Do you do well apart from trying to learn lines? Do you do other 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 gymnastics? Other, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> yes. Brain? Do you do Sudoku? No, I
0: no I don't. But I guess because I, what we do in Kenya is so, uh, is filled with nuance, filled with delicacy, because we're dealing with an awful lot of tribal issues, and so it keeps one on their toes to mm-hmm. be able to bridge that sociological gap.
1: Yeah, and especially now. And
0: especially now. Yeah. It's most, most particularly uh, in in where where we've we've just made some open the door to a new area where we're dealing with tribal issues that are very
1: contentious. And, uh, Do you think it's easier for you to navigate those waters because you've lived in Africa for such a long time, or because you're a famous woman? Oh, no, I'm not famous out there. there. <laughs> no, I'm not. Famous. What place? Actually, <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm that woman. At that, and that
0: education center. Yeah. Know? But because we've been there a long time, we're, uh, we're not the average NGO. And it's very, you know, unfortunately, most, if you look at an awful lot of the history of NGOs, you know, mm. non-governmental organizations, mm-hmm. sadly, the corruption is rampant. Mm. The use, the misuse of other people's money in overheads and... In, mm. So-called expenses, mm. yes. And so it in in the front lines yes. when you're actually out there, it is not not a respected entity. It is usually something that has been corrupted by the people who are running it. And so, in order to gain people's trust, you have to explain that you're not like the
1: others, and you have to lead. Properly, I suppose. You have to. Well, I don't get paid for this yeah. because the others make a living from it. Yeah. How many do you employ? How many people does the William Holden Foundation? Work? Yeah. We're lean and mean,
0: so to speak. Our education center services 11,000 students a year and has done for quite a few years. And we have basically a senior staff of two, sometimes three. We also have interns from local institutions who are learning about wildlife management, the issues of biodiversity and habitat destruction, which we're all so concerned about. And um, then we have a lot of uh, we have a junior staff. So I think we're really more or less running
1: on about eleven people, and then in California we have two. And what is the new project that your foundation is involved in? Well,
0: we're participating in what is now becoming a worldwide recognized movement. It's um, regenerative agriculture. It's been proven, photographs from space, all sort of scientific proof, that ever since the Industrial Revolution, the pollutants which have caused Initially and in situ, in the closest uh, vulnerable areas, a loss of about 80% of the biological life in those areas that, that were victimized by mm. the pollutants of the Industrial Revolution. But the balance was kept on this planet by the natural world where the compensation was done in the natural way that life was really created on this planet, which is the carbon-oxygen exchange. Mm -hmm. So the CO2-oxygen exchange, Mm -hmm. which is only possible through the massive vegetation that Mm -hmm. we used to have Mm -hmm. on the planet, compensated Mm -hmm. and served us extremely well for a couple of hundred years. Mm -hmm. And now, because we have overexploited, the natural world and expose more land because of factory farming and the methods of factory farming. The pastoral areas have grazed out all these massive amounts of land so that it's no longer soil, it's sand.
1: Yeah, desert. It's desertification, yeah. which we can ill afford. No. So, what's what are the governments doing about it in Kenya, for instance?
0: Well, governments in general don't <laughs> do anything, do they? They, uh, they they protect their voting base. That's right. They protect their status quo because it's run by politicians who are only interested in votes. Mm. And I'm sorry to say that it is evidenced all over the world. Mm. Now we can point the finger at each other, but we're we're all
1: all guilty. See,
0: all of our politicians and the way in which our politics is not answerable to the, to the needs of the people. So true. It is like the last days of the Roman Empire. Give them games and, and bread, mm-hmm. and that'll satisfy them. Mm-hmm. Put them on the dole and mm-hmm. make them unproductive, but we'll pay them off so, so uh, they'll vote for us again.
1: I mean, so where does this leave you and I and people like us who care about the environment and care about conservation? care about wildlife what it what are we meant to do and we can we, we can, need to do it ourselves so incrementally <laughs> individuals doing something that it, it, little drops lead to absolutely a, you think that that drops a, mm. amend the way you i mean let's let's
0: just talk about a few things our consumption amend the way your choice of what you buy Look at it. And if it's made in China or if it's Chinese made in Italy Mm. so they they can say it's made in Italy and not in China, don't buy it. And anyway, how much do we need? Mm. This sweater is, you know, easily 20 years old. It's perfectly good. (laughs) It's very nice. And it's never changed. (laughs) (laughs) A turtleneck sweater is a turtleneck sweater. Whether it's, uh, you know, 20
1: years old or I just bought it, you know. We really don't need all this stuff. Yeah. We can say so you're not acquisitive as a person. You're, a, you're, you're a shedder of. Well, I I, I try to as much <laughs> as possible. I I've
0: inherited a lot of things, so it looks as if my life is congested with things. But I do try to offload them every once in a while. So
1: William Holden, the actor, uh, who you had a relationship with, was he the first person to take you to? Did you know Kenya before you had a relationship with him? Have no, you, I been to
0: North Africa, but I'd never been to East Africa.
1: You fell in love with the place immediately, did you? Yes, well, I was in love with him, so I yeah. was easy to be in love with what he loved. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
0: But also, wild animals were <clears throat> very much a part of my life growing up. I, I rescued a Malaysian sunbear from a pet shop in West Hollywood. <laughs> I know, what is that? I walked into a pet shop, this is in the 1960s, and there was this baby bear Shocking. in the middle of the pet shop. And I said to the man who owned it, whom I knew, this is, this is a bear. And he said, yes, it's a bear. I said, but, I mean, how did you get a baby bear? I mean, they, they must have, poachers must have killed the mother. You can't do this because somebody would buy it. And then when it gets big, it's cute now, but when it gets big without... You've got to get somebody who's going to be committed to this and he said, well, you're so committed why don't you buy it?" I said, all right, I will I did. and I came home with a Malaysian son bear I, remember. I was married at the time <laughs> <laughs> when your husband must have been a little bit shocked well I, I remember how I broke the, the news to him uh, he came home I poured him a stiff drink. <laughs> And I open, my opening gambit was, uh, you like bears, don't you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know how you look after a Malaysian bear. Was he, a, was he an easy creature to look after?
0: Well, he was raised with my dogs. I had two Doberman Pincers and a Yorkshire Terrier. And so the Yorkie took possession of... The, the bear was eight weeks old when I got him fed him with a baby bottle, and he played with the, he, you know, the, the Yorkie would sleep with him and, and uh, treat him like a child and, and snap at him if he didn't growl at him, if he didn't do something right. And, uh, and the bear was getting bigger, <laughs> much bigger than the Yorkie. And one day when I saw the Yorkie, Scooting across the floor of, that, <laughs> of the sitting <laughs> room, I knew that the bear
1: had sort of whoop, got too big to play. So, oh, um, stone, have you got a favourite pet? I mean, you've had so many. How many? You were telling me how many horses you have. How many horses do you? Oh have? God! Well, I, I, I'm, I'm there. Some of the old
0: ones have been leaving this earth so i don't have quite as many as i once had but i had a great many
1: so you have lots of horses what else do you have do you have you still have your dogs and i have three alpacas and mm. i have a parrot
0: mm. who's been in my life for 48 years does he talk to you oh
1: she knows everything she, yes <laughs> she knows she carries everything. your secrets
0: oh she does <laughs> and uh, she's in los angeles and so every time I leave her for any period of time and I come back, she's in high dudgeon and she turns away from me when I walk in and say, hi, And
1: she just turns her back. <laughs> so this is a great passion. Wildlife is a great passion. And it's your other life next to acting. And sometimes it takes over everything, it <laughs> everything. Yeah. Is, is Africa your um, is your place in Kenya, would you say it's your, your happy place? Is that the place you feel most at home? You have lots of houses in different countries. Uh, oh, what shall I say? It's the place I feel more useful.
0: Yeah. I feel, um, oh, okay, maybe my life was, maybe
1: I've been able to give back. That's your legacy. Um, there more than anywhere else. And I think it was an incredible gesture of well both love and respect to call it William Holden. Why didn't you call it stephanie Powers? I because like it was, uh, because it was it was bill's idea to because bill
0: when he went out to Kenya in the nineteen fifties as a hunter with mm. two friends and they decided to buy the hotel mm. <laughs> it's It's like that movie we mm. bought a zoo yeah you know? uh And it became, at the time he was living in Switzerland, and it became their playground for their families. And he very quickly, although the word conservation was not in anybody's vocabulary in those days, Mm. he very quickly saw the handwriting on the wall with increased population compromising Mm. the wild areas and therefore compromising Mm. wildlife. Mm. And so... When this uh, farm of 2,000 acres that surrounded this upcountry inn, which they bought and turned into the Mount Safari Club, became, when these 2,000 acres became available, and the farmer, who was a major Nicholson, approached Bill to buy it, Bill had been thinking about the possibility of trying to find a way to create a uh, wildlife farm where a nucleus breeding herds of animals could be established mm. of some of the very animals
1: that after some time there he realized were going to be compromised. You live part of the time in a country, Kenya, where they do value age, older people, no, why, the know, wisdom it's, of it's it's leaving.
0: That whole thing where the mzays, the 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 senior people ran everything, and you had to acquiesce to them. That's sort of, in modern life, you know, that's sort of diminished. Mm.
1: In tribal life, it's alive and well. Mm. It's very much alive. I mean, in uh, t- we were talking about diversity, biodiversity, and diversity, actually, in society. Me Too, Black Lives Matter, and yet ageism is still a very... It's, it's still. A constraint, isn't it? Why shouldn't we be heard more? <laughs> because we're not marching.
0: <laughs> because we're all, uh, you know, uh, having a nice cup of tea saying, oh, okay, well, it's too cold out there.
1: <laughs> but yet you have worked nonstop, really. You, don't, you have found jobs and you have got great parts and you've yeah, it's continued... C- it's more difficult, you know, everybody. But I think uh, if we really want to talk about who is
0: marginalised, let's mm. talk about Women over fifty—that's mm. one of the most marginalized populations on the planet. And so, uh, in my business, mm. everybody between, I guess, forty-five and death, mm. is up for the same part. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. uh, everybody gets lumped into one thing. I've had—I've had people actually, uh, my agents say, "Oh, well, this this casting director." There's this wonderful part in Bob they think you're too old, so go in and meet them. And I do, and they say, oh, absolutely terrific, but she's too
1: young-looking. <laughs> so, you know... win. can't You can't win. You can't you can't win. <laughs> so, I don't... Is know, it better that, that, than it used to be, do you think? I mean, are they no. better? No. No. Really? No. depressing that is. And one would have
0: thought that things might have changed with the advent of more female... But let us not forget, it is show business. Mm-hmm. So as a business, what has happened now is that the people who finance things want to make sure that they're financing is sure thing. Mm-hmm. Many of the large studios were taken over by corporations. So making movies turned into a corporate philosophy. Mm-hmm. So everything is tested Decisions are not made by the director or the creative people, they're made by committees. And uh, so they want to make sure that they they have a sure thing before they finance
1: it, Mm. which is kind of impossible, because it doesn't always work. Yes, I think I read somewhere that you said that it doesn't matter whether you're selling widgets, women's underwear or movies... Mm. The, 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 it's the same sort of idea, isn't it? It's yeah. the same program. They have the same marketing men and the marketing bis- exactly yeah. the way it yeah. goes. Yeah. So,
0: and that's what's happened yeah. to the motion picture studios and the industry itself. Now we're dealing with a new phenomenon mm. where the revenues are from streaming services mm. because it's all a, a kind of brave new world since COVID the streaming services have taken over everything. Mm. So I guess there's something for everybody. But how that monetizes for the people who are making, independently making the product, we don't know. Mm. If it continues along the lines that it is, it's an absolute monopoly. And that's the very thing that destroyed the movie business in the first place. Because the movie business in 1948... The movie business in the United States was determined to be a monopoly because they made the movies,
1: they distributed the movies, and they exhibited the movies. Well, what are the streaming services? But you, as a as a legendary actor, oh God, uh, <laughs> have the ability to call shots in a way that maybe Locked you didn't. No.
0: no, we're all we're all just out there, you know. It, what appears to be, no, 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 I think, Martin.
1: Do you think that the world is a, a better place since these, well, there have been little many revolutions going on everywhere in the, in the social forum, haven't they, the, the Me Too? Do you think that's helped women, Me Too? I haven't seen any evidence of that. No. Have you? No, I, I suppose, I mean... Makes I, people feel better. It mean, makes the girls feel better. So, it's but, slightly uh, uh, difficult for the boys, isn't it? That uh, yeah. I have an eighteen-year-old son. I mean, it's oh, well, very, happy. very difficult for the boys. Yeah. But in terms of of monetizing that, in terms of
0: how how equitable it becomes in the workplace for yeah. women, I I think uh, the Black Lives Matter has overtaken that mm. because if you're ticking boxes of what's politically correct. It it probably would result in more
1: employment for black females mm. than it would for females in general. Mm. Well, I hope so in some ways. But as a young actress, were you did you have to deal fend off attention from men right, left, and center, and was it a problem or did you manage it perfectly well?
0: Not that I was aware of. Maybe that's not very flattering. <laughs>
1: I, no, I never really. Uh, Nobody chased me around a desk. No, never. You have a quality of sort of stillness and elegance. I wonder whether that was enough to keep them at bay. They well, were well, gonna mess with was you. A, a tomboy
0: all my life <laughs> and, they, and I was raised by brothers, so I guess I they didn't want a swift knee to the groin
1: or something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know? uh, exactly. Well you're a pilot, aren't you? You have got a pilot's license
0: I uh, yeah, but I'm not I can I don't trust myself anymore. I can I don't I don't fly alone. Do you still play polo? Not
1: competitively, no. And Pilates, you still do? I still do Pilates. And you, you look in incredible shape. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs>
0: so.
1: We're fortunate that we
0: have. There's a wonderful woman who's just moved into the into the town nearest where I live, and uh, I get to do Pilates <laughs> and Kenya, which is wonderful.
1: But there's more than just Pilates to the secret to aging well, which I mean, you were, I suppose, an absolute exemplary. Do you think staying curious and engaged and connected to the younger generation as well as the older generation? I would think so. Mm. And uh, I find, maybe it's social media
0: that's caused this, but uh, obsession with self Mm. has reached new heights, hasn't it? It
1: certainly has.
0: I don't know that that's very healthy Mm. at the end of the day. Oh, maybe someone might listen to this and say, uh, oh, well, no, it's not. don't take it so seriously. Where's your sense of humor? Mm. Okay. But it, if it weren't so obsessive, mm. uh, maybe it would be more amusing because I don't think people realize how obsessed they are with themselves. Mm. And that I don't think is healthy. So I've always been more curious about everything other than myself, <laughs> which uh, if that's the secret to... Uh, Ageing. And the
1: fountain of youth, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that.
1: yes. And and what advice would you give to your twenty-year-old self, knowing what you do now about life? Oh Lots. gosh, she didn't know a lot. <sighs> well, she she needed to
0: she needed to learn and fail and try and fail. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's it. I mm. think I think there are no guarantees in life, and for young people today. The competition—they can't afford to fail. You know, the competition is so great. There's always somebody standing right beside you who's ready to take your place. And um, I think there's something a little bit wrong with the notion that everybody should go to university because they're not going—they're going to get in debt, and they're not necessarily going to use whatever they're studying just to or to go to university just to get a degree. Maybe it's better to go to a trade school where you can learn how to do something, mm-hmm. actually, that might find you a job. Mm-hmm. That's not just here, that's Around, that's in well. Kenya as yeah. well. It's in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. it's, in, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. In, 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 in the States, mm-hmm. young people are, are racking up education loans for mm-hmm. their university
1: education, yeah, and I when agree. they graduate, you're, the, the only job they can get is pumping gas. Would you rather be 79 or 21? <laughs> I wouldn't want to be 21. I wouldn't want to. Be 21 I wouldn't now. Want to. No. now, I think they have a really tough go mm-hmm. I think so. Are there any other advantages to being older, do you think? Well, hopefully we won't make the same mistakes yeah. twice. Yeah. <laughs> and tell me, do you still... I, I also read that you love, and this resonates so much, that your mm-hmm. idea of, of a good time is sleeping under the stars and mm-hmm. being in nature and you don't mind the odd witchity grub or um, bug crawling into your duvet or, or your sleeping bag. <laughs> do you still get to sleep under the stars? I love, I love sleeping outside. Mm. I even do it in
0: Los Angeles sometimes when we have these wonderful nights and I have a outside uh, furniture and uh, it's great, just the dogs come and
1: sleep on top of me. Yes, <laughs> and,
0: and, and freedom. freedom.
1: Mm. It's, it
0: just feels so good
1: to look up at the sky. Well, here's to the next twenty years of sleeping under the skies. Thank, Thank you. you. If you've enjoyed today's show, you can hear more episodes in the series by clicking follow wherever you're listening to this, or simply searching the Third Act on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And if you think your friends would love to listen, please do tell them about the series. This episode was produced by Pete Norton and made possible by Orions, luxurious residences that are redefining later living in the heart of Chelsea. I'm Catherine Fairweather, and I'll see you back next week for another episode of The Third Act.